Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Wright here with Tim Beadle, and we are in the middle of a heat wave here in Western Canada, and we are still recording our podcast. That's how committed we are to disciple making. And today we're going to share with you some things we've recently been learning or observing in disciple making and encourage you to maybe use our observations and questions as a way of analyzing what you're seeing around you in disciple making. So, Tim, why don't you take it away and share some things you've been seeing or learning in the sphere of disciple making? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Aaron. First of all, uh, a disclaimer, I'm in an air-conditioned office as we uh, record this. I don't know about you, Darren, but but man, is it ever hot out there? It's like, you know, over 40 Celsius, you know, with the uh, heat factor. And if there's ever motivation to not want to end up in uh, hell, this would be it right here. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, like this is overwhelmingly uncomfortable, but... Um, it's just wonderful uh, focusing on what God is doing because God is always at work in terms of drawing uh, people to himself. And therefore, I think uh, for Darren and I to be held accountable because uh, we could just talk about principles and, you know, we've shared uh, resources from decades ago, like like what's happening in our life right now. So so let me share. I, I've been challenged uh, in, in the past two months uh, to get my – Get to know my neighbors better. Mm. Uh, there's a book called The Art of Neighboring and and uh, another book called Blessed that, that I, I did a bit of a review on in a past podcast. But but in The Art of Neighboring, there, there's it's like a tic-tac-toe board where you're in the middle and you have to identify who the neighbors are, the eight closest neighbors who live by you or next to you. And to try to prayerfully start a relationship, that, that that's the be and bless before anything, pray. And um, to be honest with you, out of the eight, I could probably only name two uh, neighbors by first name. Uh, but now uh, I can name six. So so as far as I'm concerned, so so I've started engaging. And, and the latest one was last night over the back deck of my house. A new guy bought uh, a house behind us, and I'm up, and uh, he was out watering his uh, yard, and I just shouted out, hey, neighbor, and, um, you know, his name is Dustin, and uh, he's got some kids, and his little son Weston came out and said, I lost my tooth last night, and so here we go. So here's the conversation going of a new neighbor, and so uh, God has just really impressed upon my life that disciple-making isn't something that's done out of context with where Mm. you live. So... I, I want to talk to you uh, today and share uh, in terms of uh, a specific instance inside a church where uh, someone almost walked away from the church without being noticed. You know, uh, Barna Research says up to 25% of people won't return to church because they're so comfortable doing online uh, viewing uh, for worship. And uh, uh our lead pastor, Ian, preached a couple of weeks ago after the Good Samaritan sermon, said, you know, some people won't come back here, not because they like online better, but because while they were here in our church, and it's a rather large church, no one ever noticed them. And so after church was over, everyone spills out onto the front steps and everyone's talking with each other. I'm, uh, I'm greeting someone and I notice that there's this older couple standing out in the parking lot 
looking back towards the church and seeing everyone talking with each other, but but they were standing out like a a sore thumb, and, and the, the, the the spirit nudged me and said, "Tim, I guess mm. there, there, there's a God appointment waiting to happen." But I said, "This looks really weird, you know. Uh, I've never seen these people." And they're looking back at everyone talking, but they're standing. It, it's sort of like, you know, in the old days when you used to have those uh, barbecues with the, uh, not, not, uh, with the, you know, heat bars and things like that. The old, um, charcoal, not the briquettes, but the charcoal. And you had to light them and keep them all together touching in the middle of the barbecue. Cause if one rolled off the pile almost immediately, it, it turned cold because it wasn't part of the pile that the hot embers anymore. And so uh, this couple started turning and walking to their car. And I sort of ran up to them and said, hey, I haven't had the pleasure of uh, meeting you before. And friends, that, that's what you say to people. Don't say, are you new here? Just say, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you before. And uh, they were new for the first time. First time at church. They just moved into the neighborhood five weeks before. Hmm. And uh, he's a new believer. And we started talking. And my wife joined up with us. And before you know it, um, we made a great connection. Excellent. And, uh, of course, you know, after that, we exchanged info and I called him in the week. And then last Sunday, I took them out. We had brunch together. We talked more, heard our stories. And, and he's a, a new believer. So he's passed through, uh, before when I talked about four-chair discipling, the come and see phase where you just invite people. Well, he actually found the Lord through putting an ad in the newspaper for a kid to come and cut his front lawn. He, he's an older guy. <laughs> wow. And uh, some older guy phoned him up and said, I'm not a young guy, but um, I'm bored and I like cutting grass. Can I come and cut your lawn? And, and, and the fellow who came to cut his lawn was a believer. And through that friendship, uh, this fellow Steve uh, came wow. to find Jesus. And, uh, and Steve was saying, you know, until then I thought like Christians were kind of strange people. But this guy was normal. He kept saying, but this guy was normal. <laughs> and um, – so, so I, I, I go and, and have a, a meal with uh, Steve and Christine and, and basically he has, I got all these questions about Jesus and faith and, and in my heart, I'm going, you know, in, in the normal church, we would stick them in a program. And now they do want to go to Alpha and, and they want to go to a, a small group, but this guy desperately needs someone to walk with him mm-hmm. to answer his questions. And that's what the whole follow, following Jesus is, that, that you need to have someone walking beside you. So so I made a covenant with him that, that I'm going to walk with him. And oh, uh, we're, we're going to use that book uh, by Spader. I've talked about walking as Jesus walked. And uh, we're going to sign for, I've ordered the book for him. And uh, we're going to start in the coming weeks. And he is going to grow uh, to maturity. It's probably going to take a long time, and that's fine. But I did tell him right up. I said, this, this is the deal. Uh, we're going to walk together and learn to live like Jesus learned. And part of it is is that what we learn, God is going to give us opportunities to invite others along the adventure and on the journey. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, yeah, I'm up for that. <laughs> and... um it was just really neat, and, and I just felt the pleasure of God around that table because this is how disciple making works. Yes, well, programs. Can programs. I just interrupt you for yeah, one yeah, second please. there, Tim? You Go know, ahead. you seeded right out of the gate. You seeded the concept of multiplication right out of the gate. Yeah, that's, you know, about like that was right, right from the front, and I just think that's so, so wise and so biblical, really. Yeah, because most people think, well, I, I'm not good enough to do this, or it's for the pastor to do. I said no. Right from the beginning, we, we model, I said, we're going to learn to walk as, as Jesus walked. And, um, 
the, the whole thing is, well, I always, Oscar Hammerstein said this. He said, love in your heart wasn't put there to say, stay. Love isn't love till it's given away. <laughs> I use that mm. like so often. And I think that's the same as like God's love for us as well, to be honest with you. And so I, I said that to him. I said, you know, what you learn about Jesus is meant to pass on to others. You don't have to be an expert. All you have to do is be on a, on a road one step ahead of someone else and you can actually lead them. And, and we continue to be led, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. And, um, but I could see the tendency uh, that, that has been the historical culture is that if someone comes here, what, what program can we put them in? Mm-hmm. And program has become little more than sort of um, keeping people connected to the church and also it's crowd control uh, because uh, pastors usually don't have time. And I realize myself, like, how many people could I do this with personally? Well, yeah. But you know what? That's not an excuse for not doing anything, Darren. Mm-hmm. I think we all need to have one one or two people that we can name by first name who know that they are in a relationship with us. And that relationship is learning to be like Jesus. And not only that, it's agreeing right from the get-go, as you said, is that we're going to do this with someone else. Because like I said, um, uh, you know, shepherds, they smell like sheep, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're in Christian ministry today, uh, do you smell like new believer conversations and, and those yet to find? Or are you just so far entrenched within the busyness of church programming mm-hmm. that that basically – You've lost the joy and the thrill of just walking with someone as they learn just baby step questions. And so I, so, so I said to Steve, Steve, you've, you've come and you found Jesus, but, but now you're a baby Christian. Like, like you're an older guy, like, like he's well into his sixties. But I said, you know what? When babies are sitting around the table and he's got grandkids, I said, you know what? What do we teach them to do? Well, we teach them to uh, talk. That's called prayer. We teach them to walk. And, and that's following the way of Jesus. And we teach them to eat. And that's called reading the Bible. And then we got to clean up messes all the time, too. <laughs> so, so this is what life is all about. And, and that's, this is the stage you are. And this is why it's so important, Darren, as we've said before, to have a framework in your mind where, you know, as Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 5.16, from now on, we view no one from a worldly point of view. Mm-hmm. We aren't judging people, but we're we're understanding where they are spiritually so that we can respond, not with a one, uh, you know, sort of paint everyone with the same brush, but we can tailor our approach to, to meet the needs where they're at specifically. So mm-hmm. um, so that's what's going on, you know. Wow. Um, that's yeah. an excellent story. Well, I'm going to pass it back to you because that's just a story and there's more that will come, obviously. But this is recent. Like This was like two days ago that, that this we sort of made a verbal covenant that we're going to meet and, and we're going to learn to walk like Jesus. And I realized that he'd, he'd already crossed the, 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 uh, the line of faith. Uh, and now this is what he needs from me. And he needs you know, to be part of a church family. But uh, whatever form that looks at, that's not the most important thing right now. Yeah, yeah. He, he needs someone to walk with him in his faith. Awesome. Oh, that's a divine appointment and just good job. Yeah. And yeah, hearing the spirit and responding to that. That's, that's so excellent. And your, your story, your neighbors as well. We've had some wonderful things happening with our neighbors here. And uh, just as we've been praying for them and 
and starting to learn more names. You know, we, we, we moved with several of them. We started with nicknames, just we would yep. name them something based on their, their activity. And we started learning names. But most notably, if my, my one neighbor here who lives in the same complex we are, uh, way back when I met him, one of the first things I learned about him was, was that his father had just passed away. Okay. And uh, he's, he's, he's one of these people, if, you know, he fits in that category of person of peace, very responsive yep. to us, very open, very relational. You know, he, we were going camping. I need to get a mattress because our, our brother-in-law was coming, my brother-in-law. And I thought about buying one. I thought, well, I'm going to ask my friend here, Jim, to see if he's got a mattress. And he, oh yeah. And he, we jumped in his pickup and went over to where he had his, his camper store and he dug out this mattress and he was just glad to, to give it to me and, and help me out. We used that. And then uh, just on, on Sunday, I, I noticed he was loading up a freezer in the back of his pickup by himself. And so I went outside and gave him a hand loading. It turns out his freezer died in the middle of this heat wave. His freezer oh, no. completely died. And uh, we, we uh, loaded it up and dropped it off at recycling. And, and I mentioned that, you know, I, I went to buy a fan, but they were all sold out, of course. And so he said, oh, I, I think I've got a fan. So we went over to the storage unit and, and stuff. But something I'd learned, I just kind of, in fact, I, I came across, it was more in the title, I think, of a podcast about how, how open people are to going deeper in conversation than we assume. Okay. That most people want to have a deeper conversation than they typically have in a day. And they need someone who is safe and interested. And then they will share. And so as we're driving along, he made passing reference to his father. His father had his birthday. His birthday was just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, his father's birthday would have been. And I just felt prompt. I said, do you ever feel like, does it feel strange that they're not there when you're, when your dad's not there anymore? And he was, oh yeah. He said, it's, he said, sometimes I dial his number. Huh. Cause I used to call him three times a week. He said. And, you know, yeah. his father lives far away. And uh, he said on the birthday, he, he almost called his dad again, ended up calling his sister and just started sharing on a deeper level. Wow. You know, it was like a whole nother level in our, in our, in our relationship and in our interactions. And, uh, you know, I was just reminded how, how hungry people are for relationship, yeah. for people who want to listen, for people who care. And, uh, you know, I've just been so enjoying getting to know our neighbors. And there's another one who's, you know, not at the same stage as this one. But we've talked a bit. We both fish. We both hunt, and we started sharing. In fact, he mentioned the lake to me several times. So I went to the lake, and caught some fish, and came back and reported to him. And I could see us maybe going out there together now. And so this is really the front end. You're talking about a new believer. I'm talking about yeah. you know people who are not yet believers. Um, but this is you know this is what it looks like. And if I can just share as a tied to that, Tim, one thing I want to share about something I've learned recently is this idea that. You know, disciple making is not a program. Yeah. Right. You know, it, disciple making is a way of life. Yeah. It is our core calling. It is, it is part and parcel of following Jesus. And so one thing I've learned in, in this uh, disciple making incubator, I'm a part of with Caesar Kalinowski, he talks about disciple making isn't about adding things to your life. It's about doing the things you're already doing intentionally. Okay. It's about being intentional, not additional. And so you know, we talk about the, the basic things we all do. You know, we all tell stories. We all uh, have parties. We all eat. We all take leisure time. Well, disciple making, including evangelism, is simply doing those things with the intention of following Jesus in them and inviting others to join. Let, let, you know? let, me, jump, yeah, let me jump in there because 
I, I 110% am with you. But there seems in people's minds that, that this is a foreign concept. Hmm. Because for so long, we've sort of looked to, to the professional clergy or the programs of the church. To it. I've got this in a lab, and, and every day it gives me a new saying and uh, something to meditate on. And, and yesterday, the, this, this is what the saying is by John Maynard Keynes, and he said this, The difficulty lies not so much in developing new ideas as it is in escaping from old ideas. <laughs> and, and, you know, sometimes, you know, when you talk about how people crave relationships and so, so, so why, why are we so hesitant to enter into them? And, and a lot of it is because we have to escape from the old ideas that are holding us to the past and, and we have to break free from those and, and just do exactly what you've been telling and modeling as well, Darren. Mm. Well, well, yeah, I mean, for me, a big shift this last year has been, you know, moving from the standard professional pastor with a very compartmentalized life with boundaries and everything else to a more integrated kind of life, yeah. you know, where, 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 where I'm, uh, you know, as we see in our 12 church, all in on mission with Jesus. And that means that yeah. trying to live a lifestyle of disciple making. Yeah, exactly. And I think personally, it all comes down to love. Mm. I, I just preached a message on, um, you know, Luke 15, you know, the lost son and then the father, when he saw him on the horizon, ran to him. Now, fathers in that day didn't run, number one. <laughs> like right, like right. That, that was totally a no-no. Uh, like children ran to fathers, servants ran to their master, but fathers never ran. But not only did the father run, but... Now, these guys, you know, in the heat of the Middle East, they wear these long robes, and he would have to pick that up and tuck it in his belt, hmm. bearing his legs, which is another cultural no-no. But you know what? When you love someone who is lost, hmm. all caution is thrown to the wind because that, that's what it actually means to be prodigal. You're, you're reckless in your love. And, and I've been really challenged. And, and over the last two months, God has opened so many opportunities. Hey, I, I read this quote by a friend of mine named uh, Darren Ride. That's you. <laughs> and you said this, and I, I picked it up. I, I think I saw this on Facebook or someone. It says, the source of our love for God is God's love for us. So this isn't you know something we manufacture. Mm. You said it's God's love for us. It's critically important f for us to grasp this truth. You see, the way we grow in our love for God is not by exerting tremendous effort or concentration to obey Him and prove our love. The way we grow in our love for God and our exaltation of God and our worship and obedience of God is by growing in our understanding, acceptance, and experience of God's love for us. Mm. That, that was profound. I said, man, you wrote that there? Like, that's profound. And, and it is because... and. Like what will get us off our high knees to get out and, and just connect with people? Mm. Because God that. loves those people as yeah. much as he loves us. Jesus physically died on the cross. And I've got a little poster in my office that, that says this, is what, I'm uh, is what I'm living for worth Jesus dying for? I, that's in, I just saw that saying the other day. And is that right? Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah. No, that, that's so true, Tim. And for me, you know, loving God, you know, receiving, it's about receiving his love and then loving people is about recognizing he loves them so much. Yeah. And if yeah. we love God, we're going to love those he loves. Like I said, God's love in your heart wasn't put there to stay. God's love isn't love till it's given away. And, and, and you and I have just provided very practical examples 
of different people who are on the journey of either finding Jesus or starting to grow. And this is as natural. It has to become for all of us. It's a lifestyle. It's not a program, as you said. It's a practice. And, and we practice all kinds of things. And, and, and that's how we make habits. So, uh, so it would be great to have a habit of, of just the practice of finding where people are in their, their faith walk or yet to find Jesus walk and just loving them along into the kingdom practically and personally until they grow to maturity and realize that, that part of being of God's family is to share this same love with others as it has been shown to us in the past. Amen. Well, that's there you an go. excellent place to land, Tim. I'm glad. <laughs> you know, it's just great to have some fresh current stories. Yeah, we want is. people to know yeah. we're, we're, you know, we're, we're still figuring this out, changing times, changing context, but yeah, big love time. people respond to the voice of the spirit. Look yeah. at how to integrate following Jesus into your life. It'll that's happen. Amen. We're disciple makers. Darren Wright, Tim Vito, join us again. And I challenge you, uh, what's the, the most up-to-date story that, that, that you could articulate of, of um, someone whose life you're, well, someone who's been placed upon your heart by the Lord. And if there isn't anyone, write down two or three names and just start praying about them. And let's see what happens in the coming days. God bless you. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.